It's Concrete Coins with Jessica Myers. Hello and welcome to another episode of Concrete Coins. I am your host, Jessica Myers, and I am also your journey curator as we take the journey to your real estate success um, by building your seven-figure portfolio. Today, we have special guests with us, Ms. Felicia Blaze and Ms. Chantel Jones. Take a second and introduce yourself, ladies. I'm Chantel. I'm from Brooklyn. I'm a video producer and a new real estate investor and a new realtor as well. And my name is Felicia Blaze. I am an entrepreneur, real estate investor, and Airbnb host. And one of the reasons I really wanted to speak to you ladies, um, a large part of our audience is reaching beginner and intermediate real estate investors. These are millennial professionals that are working their nine to fives and they really want to start building their seven figure investing career. They're nervous, they don't know where to start, but you ladies did it. Can you speak a little bit more Chantal about your story and how you got in um, and really what was that defining moment to take you away from corporate America? Yes, so my defining moment was just before I got to Atlanta for my trip actually, April, 2019. I was on a three day work schedule for a few months and it was working fine for me. And all of a sudden I was called into the office manager's office and he said, you have to go back to a five day work schedule. And I said, is there any way we can work this out? How can I stay on the three day schedule? Can I even do a four day schedule? I made sure with my three-day schedule to keep up with my workload just so that I did not have to have that conversation with him. And he, any which way I put it, nope, 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 nope. You have to go back to a five-day work schedule. Like he was not willing to work with me at all. And to me, I just thought that you're not being human. You're not caring about your employee's situation. Um, I'm upholding my end of the deal, right? So work with me here. So from the moment I stepped out of his office, I knew that I was not going to be there much longer. So as soon as I got back to my desk, literally, I remember this like it was yesterday, I reached out to people who I worked with doing video productions and asked them if they needed help with any particular projects. Immediately, people got back to me like, yeah, I need help with this. I need help with that. And so from there, I made a plan. And two weeks later, I gave him my notice, my two weeks notice. And right when I when I gave him the notice, he said, oh, can we go back to your three-day schedule? If we, if I can work that out for you, would oh, you stay? No. <laughs> and I said, no, sir, like, I'm gone. I'm done. But thank you for what you've taught me over the years. Mm-hmm. And um, that was it from there. Because at some point, it's no longer about the money. It's about the peace of mind. Yes. Ooh, it's yes. about the freedom, correct? Yes. The cost of your peace, it's too expensive. Girl. <laughs> so what was your journey like? Because, um, you know, you were dabbling and thinking about doing real estate. That's why you started saving up your funds while you're working. Yeah. So, um, so even prior to me even coming to Atlanta and, you know, just checking out the real estate landscape, um, I had already started looking for houses, but when I seen that the market was just better here, I was like, Hmm, okay. So at the time I was in Atlanta and I was like, okay, I have an exit strategy for this job anyway. I'm going to work it, collect my coins, and then um, decide what I'm going to do from there. Um, so what eventually, what ended up happening is like a, the day after I came back from my trip, I ended up getting laid off, which was super traumatizing. Um, but 
Like, can we go? Can we go into that? Because a lot of people, especially during this pandemic, are getting laid off, and I don't know if a lot of people will see it as a blessing. So, yeah. how how did you initially feel, and how did it take for you to now understand what it meant? You know, I'm not gonna sit up here and lie. Like, oh my God, yeah, I had it all together. Everything was great. It was not great because I was like freaking out, like. You know, when you think about mindset, like, oh, my God, what am I going to do about money? Like, what is this going to look like? What am I going to do? Like, I was in the process of buying a house and I have to stop because they laid me off. And I was just like, OK, so I can take this opportunity and be super sad that um, things didn't go my way, that I didn't get what I want or that I'm not at this job that I already hated anyway. Um, or I could be like make moves. So it took me about a couple of weeks to, to like get over the initial shock of like, oh crap, I don't work at this job anymore. Um, so then right then and there, I just like, I had realized, I was like, wait, you set yourself up though. Like you can collect unemployment. These people just cut you a nice severance check and you had saved up a whole bunch of money to begin with. So it's just like, where are you really losing? And I'm like, and you have like skills. Like, I mean, you went to school, you already have a web design business, people are always going to need websites. It's just like, okay, how are you going to position yourself so that you can continue to bring in that income? So mm-hmm. I had already started putting things into place, but I didn't realize it. And I almost feel like the layoff was God's way of saying, okay, leave. Cause if I don't do this, you ain't going to leave. Mm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So what made you go into real estate investing? Like how did that transition go? Um, what made me go into real estate investing is that You know, I was sitting at this job and I was just like, I never want to be in a position where like I have one stream of income and this one particular job like dictates how I'm able to live my life. And it's almost like you're trading hours for dollars. So you don't have your time back. They basically own your time. You're working 40 hours plus a week. Um, And it's just like, well, this is the price that we put on the value and the expertise that you bring. And it's just like, well, actually, you're not paying me enough for what I bring. Um, so when I thought about real estate investing and I think about like my own personal mission is to like build wealth and break generational curses. Like I come from first gen, everything, first gen college student, first gen, like being in the U S first gen, just everything. So I was just like, okay, I need to change this picture and like think long-term. And that was my reason for going into investing, even though it was super crazy and scary, but I did it. (laughs) Yeah. What about with you? Um, you know, what made you go into real estate investing as your method of freedom? I've been around it my whole life. Um, my parents owned properties, but I was never taught how to properly invest, which is why I started so late. So I think doing research and attending, investing in myself and attending business courses, that helped me realize, yo, this is attainable. Like you can legit grow wealth through real estate. So you actually have a different method that you use um, for So the, the name of the game is cash flow and residual income. For any investor to really set yourself financially free, um, you know, yes, it's great for the house flips, but really setting up cash flow properties. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people ask, do I have to renovate the house to get in the, in the cash flow properties? But you actually did it a different way. You do what's called rental arbitrage. And... <laughs> What is rental arbitrage? Rental arbitrage is when you, typically you should go to the homeowner apartment complex and ask them to use their property 
in exchange for this. So it's like you may pay them the rent or above market rent so that they know they're covered. You sign a lease with them, write in the terms what you are using the property for and in turn furnish it and have clients clients come and utilize the property for short-term rental for short-term rental which creates residual income yes so about how many short-term rentals do you need to replace your regular income for me with the rental arbitrage maybe three i don't think it's that many for me and with the rental arbitrage it's easy to get in because it's a lease Everyone is renting out, not everyone, but most homeowners, they're looking for people to rent their homes. Because you're looking for people who are in desperate situations. Yes. Not people who, like, you know, it's a waiting list to get in, but people who you got a low occupancy rate at your apartment. So you may be a little bit more flexible on the rules. Yes. So rental arbitrage, it really doesn't require you to come to the table with much because really it's what? Security, first month's rent, and then the, the cost to furnish it. And then you go right into residual income correct yes and with me i use the tactic of business credit cards so no money physically came out of my pocket and i was able to my roi is already crazy because i didn't invest anything out of my own pocket so pm so so really all you had to do was just come get someone that's willing to lease you their property for a year like a traditional lease and then you're able to come in and do this rental arbitrage. Yes. So you're able to come in and do corporate housing and rental. Yes. I prefer corporate housing as opposed to Airbnb. With the corporate housing, the guests are more professional. You're working with doctors, nurses, um, various professionals, and their companies are the one footing the bill. So the guests don't really mind per se. They want, you have to make sure that they'll pay premium. They'll pay premium pricing. Yes. And because the company is footing the bill, the guest knows that they have to keep it up to par mm. or else they will get in trouble with your job. So you've actually found like the secret sauce because that's the way to get in with little of your own funds. Yes. Then when you use the business credit cards, that's really not in your funds because by the time it takes for you to make that first payment, mm-hmm. you're paying from what the clients are yes. already paying. Yes. Because how quickly, like what is the transition or the ramp up period between buying it and getting your first guest? I was able to do it in less than 30 days. So you're able to find the property, get in the property, furnish it, first guest in 30 days. Yes. And so you never had to pay a dime and everything you made paid you. It was awesome. Wow. And that is a way of setting up economic freedom because so many times we think it takes getting a million dollars in order to get into a deal. But what about um, your your strategy that you do, Felicia, as far as getting into cash flow? Because it's slightly different. Yeah. So... So I always think, so when you think about like wholesaling or like a rental arbitrage, like I always say like it's money now, but I always think like long-term, like it's good to have money, but then it's like, you don't have any stake for me, in my opinion, I feel like you don't have any stake in the house versus like, so I went the route where I, I went in for a single family home and like I purchased it. So it's quote unquote mine. Um, and the reason why I did that is because I was thinking long-term, like I want to build equity in the house. And at the same time, I'm not paying. Technically, I had to put in a down payment, but obviously I ran my numbers. Um, but it's my house. Exactly. So no one can tell you what to do with it. No, exactly. Um, so I already had the down payment, went in. Mind you, I did this with no consistent job. 
um, went in and purchased the house, three bedroom, two bath, um, which is a desirable in the Airbnb market, furnished it, did the same similar situation with um, Chantal where, you know, set up a specific a company for the Airbnb and then leverage my own personal credit to get a business credit card so that I can put the furnishings on there and then have it pay off itself. And so the biggest thing is that you own it. And while you don't, um, because you go through apartments or you go through leases, what was a horror story that you had, um, I think back in October, (laughs) about actually um, when you're you're working in an apartment complex or you're working in a, a larger space that's not your own, what are some of the risks? Yes, so my thing was, just, you know, try, try and see what happens. So I tried, I went in, I got an apartment and they didn't necessarily know what I was doing, but it was working until one day when I had two guests, we didn't speak the same language. So that was an immediate barrier right there. But I tried my best with them. They wanted to use the gym. I explained to them where the gym was before I left them, before checking them in. And for some reason, that didn't register to them. They went down to the leasing office, went looking around, looking for the gym. So they bumped into a manager, and the manager is like, what do you need? Oh, we're looking for the gym. He's like, why don't you know where the gym is? You live here. Oh, we're renting an Airbnb from Chantel. And we got all the information. Like, all the government. (laughs) Your whole spot. Yes. This apartment. Yes. The legit name. The number. (laughs) So I got a phone call from the complex immediately. And um, they told me, you know, you can't rent Airbnbs here. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Deny, Um, deny, deny. (laughs) Yeah, that's the name of the game for real. So I worked it all out with them. Everything went fine. The guests, I showed them where the gym was. After that situation, I kind of took a beat because I was a bit nervous. But after about two weeks time, I decided to move forward again. But that taught me to be upfront and to also communicate with the guests. Clearly, if they need a tour, give them the tour um, and just, you know. And maybe write stuff down, (laughs) at least up in a manual. Yes. Instructions here. People don't read. Yeah, they don't, but... (laughs) Speaking of of people don't read, in your Airbnb, a lot of people are scared to do Airbnb because they feel like, oh, they're going to tear my house or they're going to do this. You've had quite a few scary stories. Can you tell us... Can you tell us... (laughs) Like, just can we pick one of the many just Um, to talk about? So do we want to talk about, like, on the the employer side or, like, um, contractor side or or people that... We're going to talk about the guests for now. Okay, so for guests. um, Okay, so I have a single family home. It's a small ranch. It's three bedroom, two baths. It's about 1,054 square feet. So it's not that huge, but it does the job. Um, So this past week, I actually had rented it to a group of girls who said they were coming down to Atlanta. I should have known better. To celebrate um, their friend's birthday. They're like, oh, our friends are staying in a hotel, but we just need some place else to stay. And um, so one of the things she asked me, she's like, oh, we just want to have like cut cake or whatever and like have a couple people over. And I was just like, she's like, like 10 people. And I'm like, yeah, no. So I have a specific rule for my Airbnb property because of liability. If you're not on the reservation, I don't want you on my property. Um, But anyway, so she's like. And this is because insurance reasons. Yeah. You could be held liable because a lot of times, too, in owning the property, 
it's about insurance yep. and doing rental insurance. And I'm sure insurance, oh, no. insurance yeah, is scared of the short term yep. rental mm-hmm. experience as well. So it's not like you're just trying to be strict, but you're thinking liability purposes. Yeah. If you have a lot of people, the lot more likelihood of something bad happens. And also my neighbors too, because I mean, if, if I'm over here running amok and I have neighbors, they're going to complain. And I'm like, there's like, a, it's a small community. They're going to like bully me out of the damn neighborhood. But anyway, um, so I had the girls, they came. Um, so I, there was like four of them and I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. First night it was okay. Cool. Um, second night. So the next morning, so they came in on a, 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 a Thursday or Friday. The next morning, I'm out, like, running, and I get a message from my neighbors saying, hey, when are your guests littered on my property? They were really drunk or whatever, and they're like, this is ridiculous. I'm like, okay, I'll let them know. Cool, fine. Um, so that night, I t- let her know, and that night, like, my, so I have cameras on my property because I don't trust people. So I have cameras because I want to see what's going on, and if you're actually, like, like saying like there's only three people instead of like whatever so i noticed my camera kept going on it was super late it's probably almost midnight and i'm like what is going on um and i noticed like little by little first there's like a group of five then a group of seven then another group of five people that doesn't include the four or five girls that were already staying there and i'm like hold up i was like you gotta be kidding me so I'm over here like, what, 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 what am I supposed to do? I'm like, how do I get them out of property? So then I call the girl. I was like, you have 10 minutes to get everyone off my property right now. She's like, oh, sorry. I didn't think all these people were going to come. And I was like, you need to go. I told you Which no. Which means she didn't guess. think. They got the address from somewhere. <laughs> so I think she was just It thinking, wasn't like yeah. they were just stopping by. Exactly. So that was the first strike. So she got them off the property immediately because I could see in the camera. So I was like, okay, fine. So the last day that they're supposed, last night they're supposed to be there. And she's like, oh, we're going to have like a brunch. There's only going to be like two or three of us. Um, we're going to wear masks and we'll keep it down. Like we understand that we deserve your neighbor's start. By 7 p.m., I get a, a, not a text from my neighbor, a call like, honey, this is ridiculous. You need to handle this. So when I look in the camera, there's about like 17 people outside, people coming in and out of my house. The door's wide open. Mind you, the AC's running. And two seconds ago, she was complaining the AC wasn't working. And I was like, how about you shut the doors? Yeah. Wow. So, so, um, so finally, and I, like, I basically was just like, um, so either your guests leave right now and, and you stay, or if you don't want them to leave, I'm like, you're leaving with them. Now, how does Airbnb protect you in the midst of this? You know, Airbnb, uh, so, I mean, there's um, liability insurance with Airbnb, so they cover you up to, quote, unquote, a million dollars, but they actually really give you a hard time when it comes to, like, getting claims. Like, you got to come up with receipts and all this stuff, and I was just like, I bought this a year ago. You want me to go look into the archives? But anyway. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, they, they're willing to, like, work with you, like, if you get on the phone with them or whatever, to, like, call the guests. But I'm like, how does that really help if they're in my house and, like, they could destroy it in, like, two seconds? So, those are part of the risk that you take. Yeah, so it's a risk. Yeah. yeah. Um, but is it worth the trade-off? Yeah, because, I mean, there's always, I would say I've only had, well, I've had, I was going to say I've only had a few, but I've actually had a a lot of like bad guests but i think the people who are like super quiet like make it worth it because it's just like oh money just hit my bank account <laughs> didn't have to do nothing just write a couple messages hey you good okay keep it moving so how's the bounce back because a lot of people won't even enter because of how scary it is but how like because even you had a contractor you know fall through and um you had oh, some issues with contractors 
who came to fix problems and they caused even further problems. <laughs> Can you talk to us about that? Huh. So I had a guest staying at the ho- at, at my property and um, there, there, there was electrical issues. I don't know what happened. Um, whatever, electrical issues. So then I had a contractor come. Literally, so he took a couple of days to figure out what's happened. Literally, he figured out what happened. All the electricity was working. He's like, I just need to tie up some stuff in the attic, like making sure that, you know, we don't have any um, wires that are sticking out that can cause a fire. I'm like, okay, cool. All of a sudden I hear a boom. And I'm like, what just happened? He fell through my ceiling. So basically the sheetrock broke because he was supposed to step on like the studs. He fell through the ceiling. All of the insulation fell through. So I'm looking at him and I'm like, so you gonna fix this? <laughs> wow. And I like I literally was like, wait, are you serious right now? And I actually I could have gotten a guest for over a thousand dollars and I had to tell them like my house is not available. So I'm like, not only did you make me lose money, I'm like, there's You're still a hole in my money. ceiling. But anyway, yeah. That was You're just costing me money. Yep. Like, yeah. Wow. So, have you had any horror stories like that? When the pandemic first hit, guests canceled, so then I had to go the Airbnb route. Um, and your corporate, so your the corporate, corporate yeah, because oh, I was going it to work. have, yeah. And I had to go the Airbnb route and one of the guests I had, he, I don't even know how to describe this man. He was just <laughs> like, where do I start with him? But either way, he wanted a free stay. Let's just put it like that. Mm-hmm. He stayed in the property for, he was supposed to stay for four nights. He, um, stayed for three. He was complaining that there were. Uh, pests and the ceiling was leaking so the ceiling was leaking it got fixed immediately though um but all of a sudden it's like he wanted to leave but he wanted his whole refund and i'm just like mister you stayed here for three whole nights you there's no way in hell you were receiving a full refund i can most certainly give you a refund for the night you don't stay but the three nights that you stayed there perfectly fine no sir and do you always ask what um how the first night go I definitely, I always check in with them. Because that's always the interesting part when you ask how the first night go, when they complain about something on the last night to yeah. try to get a free night. And you're just like, no, 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 no. Um, you, you, when I asked you the first night, how's everything you could have mm-hmm. like Yes, that. yes. To so be like, you have to get a refund for the whole thing. Yeah. Sounds so then, accurate. what were you about to say? I said, sounds accurate. They're like, oh my God, your house is so beautiful and amazing. We love it here. Then they're like, this is a horrible house. There's mold. There's water. It smells. And da, da, da. and I'm like, really? I was Those like, cool just professional guests. Yeah, I was just like, wait. I was like, no. I was like, you ain't getting no refund. Not for me. No, no, no. So it's like they found a glitch in the system for Airbnb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, see, I actually have a property manager for my Airbnbs. So it's like, that's why I don't necessarily, like all these calls, I'm just like, you got to get there. But it's still a lot of upkeep that you have to do to the property. How do you guys find balance of, you know, are they draining the, um, the value of the home when your temporary guests are there? Or are they keeping it up? Are you finding you have to put a lot of money into the maintenance? So I would say for me, so obviously this is my first year doing it. I, I, I've noticed that my expenses go up in the summer given that the AC is running 24-7. Um, I have a lot more guests, so people are in there. Um, in terms of property maintenance, I'm very, I'm very anal when it comes to that because I know like uh, this is a house, it's not like somebody's like random thing. So I have to make sure that I'm upkeeping with the property. But I mean, the house is cleaned every probably six or seven times out of the month, depending on how many guests are staying. So it's 
pretty maintained and I make sure and go check to see like if things need to be replaced or like something doesn't look right I'll like replace it um but for the most part it's not bad I mean in terms of like the grass I have it on um I have it on like I use the app called lawn starter so they basically come every um every other week and they do my grass and I don't have to worry about it everything like I try to create systems for myself so I'm not like repeating messages so I have like hand messages I have like SOPs where I'm just like, okay, if this person looks sketchier, they don't have reviews, what do you ask for? ID and you um, specifically tell them, hey, um, no parties and no X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So, yeah. so you have it strict because the parties are the liability and we don't want to get into that. No, we do not. What about you? Are you strict or do you have um, any rules against your Airbnb that protect you? Yes, I get um, IDs from everybody. Everybody. Like, you're not staying here if you're not willing to send me your ID. And you can feel free to redact whatever, you know, information you don't want to put on there. But I need to see your ID. Um, and the maintenance isn't that bad for me because I am in a complex. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so nice. It's kind of covered. <laughs> gotcha. Um, what do you wish you knew before you got in about um, this part of it? For Airbnb? Or just in, in the rental space or uh, real estate space? I would say for me, it's a lot. Hot. So, I, you know what's so funny? I think I only realized recently that I'm like, you're in the hospitality business. And I was like, oh, I didn't intentionally want to get in it. But with hospitality, you're looking at customer service, like being consistent. Um, yeah, I would say I wish I knew that. Because <laughs> yeah. then I would be like, eh. That essentially you become a hotel owner. Exactly. And I was like, oh, I didn't sign up for that. That's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, I think it would be to be upfront <laughs> with the model that I went, at least, with the rental arbitrage. It would save me some, it would have saved me some anxiety because with certain guests, I would still wonder if they're going to, you know, go and make a ruckus in a certain spot that they shouldn't be in. And then the leasing office is alerted. So just being upfront for me. Well, I think, you know, to be honest, I feel like I, so like, I know you were talking about property manager. So because I had a property manager in the beginning, I learned a lot from her and how to not game the system, but how Airbnb works and like how to do certain things. Um, I would say, I, yeah, I don't think there's anything that I wish I knew. I think it's all a learning um, experience. And because no mm -hmm. guest is the same, it's kind of like you learn along the way and don't don't get emotional about it. I'm like, just, you know, facts is facts. Yeah, you definitely got to be in it yeah. to experience anything. Yeah, I, everybody's like her experience is very different from mine. Um, so I would say that it's just I, I would say just go with the, just do it. Okay. Just do it and learn. Were you hesitant as well? And like, how did you get over being nervous about making that first, you know, getting that first person in, getting that first deal? Was I nervous? Mm -hmm. I had help. So I wasn't oh. nervous. Like, because I had, so because I had um, the property manager in the beginning mm -hmm. um, that you gave me, like, I wasn't like too like weird about it. I was nervous at first, but because I knew she was experienced, I was just like, okay. She'll figure it out and she'll guide me. So I, yeah, no, I wasn't that nervous. What about you, Chantal? Was it nervous, like, starting? Because it was just you. 
Yeah, it was definitely nerve-wracking a bit because I'm new. Like, it's like the first day of school. You don't know what to expect. But I had a list to make sure I don't miss anything. So that helped me with the nerves a bit. And then, of course, over time, it was like, all right, I know what to do. <laughs> what about, um, like, any naysayers, anybody telling you, girl, what you doing? Especially, I mean, y'all took the leap. Both of you guys moved to a more affordable market when your job situation changed. Do you have any um, naysayers in your family? Like, how was that mm-hmm. mentally to move to a whole different market where you had no friends, no family, just you? How yeah. was that? Did you? I did. Oh, well, remember, I, I didn't come to stay. Oh, you did. You did. <laughs> My journey was a little different. So talk about it. I came here with the intent to get a business up and running in 90 days. But I came here and I really enjoyed it. I loved Atlanta. So I just didn't leave. So nobody thought I was moving here per se. So, I mean, now it is what it is. I'm here. My mother's sad, but. Yeah, I would say for me. um, So most of my family is like in New York, Massachusetts, up north. So nobody lives down south besides like Florida. So when I when I told my family like, oh, I'm going to Atlanta, well, my mom was just like, okay, just do it. If you don't like it, move back. Like it's not a big deal. Um, but then you had like my dad and like my uncle. They're like, you're making a big mistake. What are you doing? You have everything in New York. You have everything at your feet. Like if you need something, we can help you. And now you're going to this no man's place, and you're coming here. You're making up like literally. My uncle called me, and he like cursed me out for my dad. <laughs> and I was like, okay, are you done? Now it's a different beat. So he's like, wow, you really bought a house in like three months of being here? Wow, you're doing really great. Wow, Atlanta looks so good on you. I was like, mm. mm-hmm. I was like, but, but you were quick to, to, <laughs> to count me out. I was like, now you guys have all the great things to say about wow. like, mm-hmm. yes. So that's the biggest thing is to push past the naysayers. Ooh. Don't worry about what anyone else says because, you know, a lot of times people want to discourage you from their perspective. Mm-hmm. But they don't know even a part of your journey, even the struggles that you overcome because you guys talked about some crazy stories but you're still like I'm sticking with it it's no stopping for me I would say at the end of the day the only person who knows your vision is you so don't allow other people's opinions and their perspectives of where they're coming from to like deter you from like what you see for yourself because the conversation we were having off off record (laughs) was more so about independence and not having a boss and that more than anything is the driving factor for going through these obstacles. Yeah. Definitely. And yeah, I'm listen, I'm not opposed to the nine to five because use the nine to five to fund your dreams. Like do whatever you gotta do. Everyone's situation is like different. But I mean if you feel like you've positioned yourself in a way to take the leap, just do it. What's the worst that can happen? You have to get another job. Like, yeah, it's not the end of the world. No, it's not. It's not. Look at like I thought I wasn't gonna survive. Look at me surviving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because that was a huge leap. But the thing is, people don't know what's on the other side. Mm-hmm. But then people have to believe that they can do it as well. Because if you're, like, ambivalent and you're like, maybe, maybe not. Like, nah, you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. So, so it still comes back to mindset. It. Yes. Oh, it's it's always mindset. It's yes. all, your mind will play tricks on you. Lie. Mindset. Tell you the worst case scenario. <laughs> like, literally, if you don't, like use tools to like get over that you're going to keep yourself stuck and you're not going to know your true potential or what you have what you could do more than what you know society is telling you to do wow so thank you so much for shedding a little bit of light anything you want to leave or anything i didn't ask that you just want to say express and push someone forward in their journey 
I was, well, if you want to do it, just get started, literally, because that's where the experience comes from. I started my real research into real estate in 2016, and we're in 2020 right now. Why didn't I just take the leap and, you know, just get started? Because I'm getting the real knowledge now that I'm in the field. So you need to literally get started for real, for real, and do what makes you happy. Yeah. And I'm much happier. Yeah. I would say... I would say from my experience, as much as I sat there and took all these courses and like learned and it gave me the foundation, nothing could ever prepare you for what you're going to experience. You just have to do it and learn to roll with the punches. Like it is what it is. Like things are going to happen. You're not going to know how to deal with them. You're going to need to learn to build a network of people and things to like help you solve an issue. So there you have it. You too can build your seven figure real estate portfolio. If you stick with the mindset to make it happen, stay focused and look into cash flow and rental properties through corporate and short term rental options. Thank you for tuning in. As always, I am your host, Jessica Myers. You know, you got it. Let's get it. Let's go. Hey, it's your girl, Felicia. Hey, it's Chantel. And you're listening to Concrete Concrete Coins Coins with Jessica Myers.